All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. I'm Isabel Vieira with your Wednesday afternoon headlines. Woodside Energy has ruled out a mooted merger with fellow LNG producer Santos following a due diligence period across December and January. The two gas companies shocked the market late last year when they revealed there were early stage talks over a merger which would have created an $82.5 billion energy behemoth. Management from both companies stressed talks were at an early stage and that a deal would only take place if it added value for shareholders of both companies. In a brief statement this morning, Woodside said a deal would not go ahead. Meg O'Neill said Woodside conducted thorough due diligence on all opportunities but would only go ahead with deals that were value accredited for shareholders. The company, which grew significantly when it merged with BHB Petroleum in June 2022, did not rule out further M&A activity. Santos issued a statement later on Wednesday confirming the end of discussions. In other news, a marine base set up to dismantle oil and gas platforms decommissioned by Chevron faces a legal threat from the Shire of Ashburton despite having state government approval. The Shire held a special council meeting last night to approve further legal action, with the companies involved facing fines of up to $1 million if they are found to have breached local planning laws. Private company Onslow Marine Supply Base has described the council's actions as extremely inappropriate. Onslow Marine Supply Base operates its multi-user port facility at Bidon Creek Boat Harbour under a lease granted by the Minister for Transport and a prescribed premise licence granted by the Department of Water and Environmental Regulation. It's that the facility remains primarily a port and for a small period of time will be used to dismantle large steel structures before they are transferred to licensed waste facilities. The Shire characterised it differently, saying it would process up to 10,000 tonnes per annum of scrap metal and 3,500 tonnes per annum of other waste. To read more, visit businessnews.com.au. And lastly, mining giant Rio Tinto is in the market to relocate from Central Park, with Victor Goh's 53-storey tower in Elizabeth Quay in its sights. Additionally, law firm Lavin has inked a deal to potentially move into the glass building, which is due for completion in 2027. Business News understands Lavin has signed a non-binding heads of agreement to occupy 4,000 square metres at the $400 million development on Lot 4 in Elizabeth Quay when its lease expires in 2027. Lavin would not comment on the move, but multiple industry sources have confirmed negotiations. Rio Tinto, which has anchored 51-storey St George's Terrace building since 2006, is considering the move to the Elizabeth Key Tower when its lease expires in 2030. That's all from me. Up next on the podcast, Nadia Budihajo and Liv de Klerk discuss the growth and innovation of WA's breweries over the past 12 months. The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA, delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit, that is... What you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success. Subscribe to Business News. 
Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information. Welcome back to At Close of Business. I'm Nadia Budihadro and I'm joined by Liv DeClerc. Liv, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Liv, for the recent edition of the magazine, you wrote about the breweries industry here in WA and for this piece, you spoke to some of the biggest players in this market. What were the key areas of focus for brewers over the past 12 months? Well, as everyone is well aware, rising costs have been impacting every sector in the country and breweries have not been immune to this financial strain. So the past 12 months have consisted of brewers looking at dynamic and new ways to tackle this issue. Um, Another pressing matter for breweries specifically is the continual changing of preferences of consumers and trying to pinpoint what products to introduce and test in the market and what products aren't working anymore. So rising costs and changing customer demands have undoubtedly been the leading issues within the brewery sector in WA and the biggest brewers in our state have been implementing a range of tactics to try overcome these. Uh, these strategies were slightly different for each individual brewer I spoke to but there were a handful of strategies which did overlap across several of those companies. Um, one example was the consolidation of business operations and strengthening of internal goals which included figuring out how to decrease costs and be efficient with production. Another trending strategy was beverage innovation and exploring alternatives to beer to attract new customers. When I spoke with Mike Morgan, who is the WA Brewers Association chair, he said crafting different beverage options was one way to maintain profitability. And as such, this had the potential to solve both of those leading issues I named earlier with this one strategy. So Mike said that breweries have moved to make other products such as seltzers and ciders instead of just beer, while others are also exploring completely unique products altogether. Okay, can you give me any specific examples of brewers innovating new products? Yeah, of course. So Good Drinks Australia, which is the biggest brewer in WA, has a new lager that they launched in August called Rider Light, which the CEO, John Hodemaker, said was released in response to this trend of looking for alternatives. So although it's still a beer, it was Good Drinks Australia's way of creating a refreshed idea of what beer can be, as this particular product has zero carbs, is low in bitterness and low in calories. Uh, Meanwhile, one of Good Drinks' most profitable beverages is its ginger beer, which has grown to become the number one most popular ginger beer in Australia and led Good Drinks to actually establish a Matsui's ginger beer venue in Queensland to feed this demand. Uh, Another good example of brewers being innovative was Little Creatures bringing back an old swan lager, which was discontinued in 2003. Apparently, there were a whole bunch of customers in favour of this beer being recreated after more than 20 years and made this unique sale point as there wouldn't be many beverages out there that have made a comeback after more than two decades. I spoke to the head brewer at Little Creatures, Russ Gosling, about this, and he said it was a different way of bringing a beer to life, and it was really rewarding. And he said it was something he'd never done or even heard of in his 25 years of brewing, and now that product is at 200 venues around Perth, which is pretty impressive. Uh, There have been a suite of other examples where brewers have created new pre-mixed drinks or non-alcoholic beverages to appease the market, but untraditional beers like sours are definitely taking the lead. When I spoke with Feral Brewing Company's national business manager, Daniel Scoble, about alternatives, he said German and Czech-style beers have been quite popular over the past 12 months as well, and brewers have been hybriding those to make hazy pilsners or West Coast pilsners as a way of implementing a creative take on a traditional beer. Environmental sustainability is of great significance for, I guess, any company manufacturing products, including brewers, but there is one WA brewer in particular which has led the brewing industry in this space. 
Could you tell me about Rocky Ridge Brewing Co.'s recent project they undertook as part of their pursuit of net zero emissions by 2025? Yes, of course, I'd love to. Um, As you mentioned, their environmental sustainability has been at the forefront of Rocky Ridge's operations since its inception in 2016. But this recent project that you're speaking of, um, it has been their biggest one yet. And it basically led Rocky Ridge to acquire its first delivery of certified sustainable malt, meaning the Bustleton Brewer has now complete paddock to plate traceability of its malt. It was quite a complex project, so bear with me. But essentially, Rocky Ridge engaged with a sustainable wheat belt producer, Tolga Farm um, to produce the barley product. And then the brewer brought on board brewing and distilling provider Batani, WA's biggest grain handler, CBH, and malting company, Joe White Maltings. And basically these five organisations work together for this project. Joe White Maltings has the capacity to malt 300 tonne batches of single origin grain at its plant in Forest Field, which was necessary to be able to malt the grain from Tolga Farm, especially as Rocky Ridge normally buys malt in batches of 20 tonnes, and they bought 320 tonnes just for this project. CBH helped with the transportation of this malt and Bintani assisted with the project as Rocky Ridge's supply partner. The collaboration basically would end up saving an estimated 70 tonnes of CO2 emissions per year for just that malt production alone, which is really incredible and led to Rocky Ridge becoming the first WA brewery to receive certification from a not-for-profit organisation called Certified Sustainable. This company basically uses social, um, it uses soil science and methodology and ESG frameworks to verify the sustainability of Australian growers and producers. Rocky Ridge's co-founder Mel Holland said to me that the certification basically solidifies the fact you're using a responsible, sustainable supply chain. It involves annual accreditation um, auditing to ensure that the sustainable practice and production are maintained and it requires a minimum of 70% of the supply chain to also be certified sustainable. So Tolga Farm also received the certification following the project success, which is pretty cool. And I understand there's also been a few acquisitions of brewing venues and brewers going into administration. Could you provide a recap of the most notable of these changes from the past 12 months? Sure. So a big one was Cheeky Monkey purchasing the financially troubled Sound Brewing Co. in December last year, which marked the Southwest Brewers' first venue beyond the region. So it currently operates a brew pub in Williabrup and a tap house in Vass. I chatted with Cheeky Monkey's managing director, Brent Burton, who said the Rockingham Brewery and restaurant they've just acquired would continue to operate as Sound Brewing until May the 1st, when it would then shut down for three months to be renovated and then it will reopen in August or September as Cheeky Monkey. Monkey. Brent said that the the company had been planning to establish a location in Perth for the past six years or so and he said that the business in Marga River had been so successful since it was established 12 years ago and they wanted to bring this experience up to Perth to a bigger market. Uh, Another example is Fremantle-based hospitality group 1313, who was really active in the venue acquisition space in the past 12 months. Uh, They bought Nowhere Man Brewing Co. in August and opened an other side Brewing Co. venue in Terminal 2 of the Perth Airport in December. The Nowhere Man Brewing venue in West Leadville will be rebranded as Other Side Brewing as well, which will bring the total number of Other Side venues to three. 
Uh, finally, the struggling running with thieves was saved by former and current bosses of trucking and logistics provider North Fleet in November. So the Fremantle-based bureau basically announced administrators had been appointed to sort through its alleged $9 million worth of debt to creditors in August last year. And then three months later, North Fleet's long-serving managing director, now executive director, Michael Sim, and North Fleet's current boss, Toby Hagen, as well as an associate, Matthew Cruden, emerged as the bidders behind a successful deed of the company arrangement. That deal basically proposed to continue running um, running with Thieves under its original name and retain its 60 staff members. Wow, it's been a busy time for the industry. Very busy. This has been an extensive analysis of the industry in the past 12 months, Liv. You can read Liv's Breweries feature in the January 29 to February 11 edition of the Business News magazine. Thank you for joining me, Liv. Thanks for having me. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.